Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, a podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories so military spouses can continue to make confident and informed decisions for their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, a veteran spouse, and your host for today's show. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here, your host for Holding Down the Fort. And I'm excited because I have the fortune of interviewing my husband today. <laughs> so my... Yeah, maybe you should have done that earlier. What? Interviewed me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just for our listeners, we actually have a more candid podcast about us called Couples in Business with Jen and Scott. So if you want to hear a little more unfiltered candid conversation of us just kind of talking about whatever feel free to check that out but today honey i would like for us to kind of be professional <laughs> for this i'm day. always professional you are you are you are okay <clears throat> well in my own way <laughs> yes in, in your own way yeah the reason why i'm interviewing my husband scott today is because the podcast sponsor of our show is us vet wealth and my husband is actually the founder and ceo the creator the visionary just everything of us vet wealth my goal for this year 2020 with holding down the four is for you to get to know us as individuals and as well as a company us vet wealth really the reason why holding down the four exists so honey i want to start with if you just want to open up with a few words you haven't been on the show since back in summer of oh wow yeah. 2019 it's been some time now and since then our show has had 1500 downloads we started in a humble way and it was our first time starting out podcasting and so i'm just really appreciative to our listeners at this point for having followed our journey and my journey especially and doing podcasting so much that I actually have an opportunity to talk about holding down the fort podcast at the next Podfest Expo in March of 2020 this year. So really stoked about that and I definitely will get more into that in the future. But until then, honey, any opening words for our listeners? Sure. Thanks for the awesome setup. <laughs> so, no, I'm just excited to be back and really, you know, what we're looking to do at US Vet Wealth in 2020 is roll out a modernized approach to understanding, you know, finances, money. Truly, really, what we're talking about is opportunity. And it really has to do with the fact that in the military community and America in general, for the most part, money is looked at as a means to an end, you know, and that's it. You got to be in the system, but that's not true. And it's, it's never really been true, but it's especially not true now today. We are living through the greatest opportunity in human history right now, sparked by the internet age, the fact that we can connect in seconds to anybody anywhere in the world. And if you're good enough, you could offer a product or a service and get paid for it at scale this is just a massive opportunity. So we want to teach people how to leverage their financial resources. So that comes in the form of paychecks. Sometimes it comes in the form of benefits, but ultimately most people spend their time to get money. That's mm -hmm. you work for somebody right. else, you get a paycheck. 
But if we start thinking of, oh, that's not the only way to do it, we can leverage our money to create more time. So that's how we want to be thinking about it. And again, nowadays, there's lots of different ways to do that. It doesn't mean just, you know, go start a donut shop on the corner and sell it. That's really still in the same boat of spending your time for money when you're even self-employed. So, you know, leveraging personal brands, using technology, whether it's social media, websites or, or whatever, we want to maximize those skill sets. And then, you know, what sets a veteran and a military family apart is the tremendous amount of resources and goodwill going on right now. Mm-hmm. Might not always be that way. It wasn't always that way. But right now, there's so much taxpayer dollars and taxpayer goodwill being given to our community. And, and unfortunately, a lot of that's being kind of mismanaged or misunderstood and therefore either the money part of it ends up going to the back to the government in the form of waste or extra taxes that don't necessarily need to be paid and then the opportunities being missed because people think you gotta go to a job fair get a job do a resume and they don't know how to network and build a personal brand to really become known for something and position themselves out but you know we see more and more i think really military spouses are are leading the way Mm -hmm. in this and are, are becoming examples for their um active duty service member if they get it you know i'm always shocked sometimes how many how many times a military spouse has an at home business but then the service member just doesn't seem to grasp that opportunity and just keeps on going and doesn't participate in the business. Say, hey, how can we promote this? How can we do it? Mm-hmm. So anyways, just to, encouraging all those skill sets, recognizing how the benefits tie into that in modern times. And since most of this stuff was designed and invented and the philosophies around it were implemented, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, when Wall Street was coming around, like people's mindsets haven't shifted around how money works. But the world's changed. So clearly money can work very, very differently. And so why aren't we teaching that to our veterans and our our military spouses? Because if we don't, then they're going to end up continuing to go down that pathway like it's the 1980s still. And and that's not the case. And so it leads to a sense of lack of purpose, Mm -hmm. meaningful income. And I think it often gets much worse than that in forms of depression and even suicide. And so if it's all about money, if that's what we think we're all here on earth for is to get a job and get a paycheck, okay, we're in modern times, America, we can't really get around that unless you just wanna go live in the woods. So, all right, you know, what's the opportunity? How do we do it? And so, you know, that's what we're really excited to really be getting this going. So thank you for having me on. Of course, and for people that are hearing about the US vet wealth story for the first time, Can you share briefly, how did you get into the financial services industry? And when did you know that this information that we're gonna be sharing needed to be shared? Right, you know, I got out in 2008, right during the last financial crisis. I say the last one, because there's gonna be a next one. And maybe this coronavirus will cause it, you never know. (laughs) And no rhyme or reason, just, needed a job. Where's the next duty station? You know, I happened to meet a guy who was in the industry. I happened to be living in Europe. I wanted to be self-employed, but like anything, you just show up for the job the first day and people say, well, kind of do this or that. And mm-hmm. you, you got to figure it out. Now in this industry, you don't get paid unless you get clients and, and offer value. And since I'm just doing what the guy next to me was doing, at least I thought I was, it was a struggle for a number of years. And I was just really frustrated at the lack of training and education 
on how to enter the industry. And it's all just so cookie cutter of basically do a budget, save for retirement. Mm -hmm. It's like, it was just boring. Anyways, it never really resonated with me. But then I, after a few years, I started to get clients and had a mentor teach me some some different ways of doing doing it to, to be slightly more valuable. Um, but even after a number of years of that, actually about five years later, I realized my skill set after working with this mentor who was one of the best in the industry, honestly, if you look at how much money he was making, that's mm-hmm. how you're considered the best in the industry. Five years later, I hadn't progressed professionally whatsoever. I was literally just the paper, you know, pusher and and go out there and, you know, drum up some some business to, to bring in to have the, the big shot. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, you know, he's living this awesome lifestyle with his family in Italy, self-employed, you know, uh, making hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's probably making a million by now. And our clients were always so just frustrated, fixed income, like, um, I don't know what to do. I've got a financial problem. It was just always such negative stuff. And yet, you know, here we are, and I wasn't making nearly that much money, but I was, you know, for a former army captain, it was more than that. And so I felt like, whoa, that's a lot, you know, and I was just living overseas single at the time. So I didn't need that much or really care to have that much. So money wasn't motivating for me. It was the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so he's living this penthouse lifestyle, traveling all exotic locations. I would, you know, go do my own version of backpacking and trips, but it was the time freedom that I was after. And I just finally was like, why aren't we teaching our clients to live the similar lifestyles that we, we do? Why do they think they have to be in this nine to five for 40 years, hopefully at age 65, I've saved enough money to retire. And it's like, how do we know that with so many, for over 40 year period of time, so many variables, it's just completely unrealistic. And I just came to lose all integrity with the entire financial services industry and all this junk we see on TV, whether they're talking about the stock market's going up or down or, you know, here's how you save for retirement, you know, certified financial planner, fiduciary, you know, all the buzzwords all around. It's like, oh my God, this is all just the same, you know, craziness we hear about the military industrial complex or, or the heck, does anybody even know how the monetary system, how the federal reserve banking system actually works? Like that doesn't come up in school and that didn't come up in the financial planning I was taught to do or was told is the, is the industry standard and it's the right way to do it. It's like, well, who says it's the right way? It's like if if people have just letters behind their name and that holds them to some sort of standard, I was like, well, that sounds like a limitation Mm -hmm. when people are looking for something else. And so I finally just realized, oh, this is all, I mean, I don't want to call it a fraud or a sham because it's legal, Mm -hmm. but you know, what is the income tax? That's stealing from one person and giving it to somebody else Mm -hmm. without your say. And if you don't do it, somebody with a gun can come put you in jail for not doing it. So I just started to understand the more libertarian principles of how money can and should be used, mm-hmm. especially if we could get more veterans and military spouses financially stable, financially motivated to create wealth. And wealth isn't about being rich. Wealth is about your time, your influence. 
to create wealth so that they can have the true liberty that they fought for and sacrificed for all this time. And so you know, that's why we created U.S. Vet Wealth and the, what I call the Wealth and Liberty Strategy. It's about the now, the present. How do you use your money, your current resources, your current assets, benefits? It's not about, all right, I got to save 20% of my income for the next 20 years and, and hope it all works out. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's that's a pipe dream. It's a wish. It might work out fine for most people. That is probably the best they can do. At least they're saving money or at least thinking about money enough that way. But what about for those top 10, 20%? I don't know what the exact number is who are like, yep, like the guy I just got off the phone with today. He's like, I'm getting out of the military. I just don't want to get stuck behind a cubicle. It's like, well, now's your opportunity. You know, how are you going to leverage your resources to think in, in the short term? Like that question I asked you, I like to ask people, if we were having this conversation three years from today, and on that day, three years from now, you were looking back to today, what would have had to have happened for you both personally and professionally for you to be satisfied with your progress? And so if you take the time to really think about that question and be like, okay, three years is a time frame I can understand. All right, so more specifically, what dangers are out there? Well, obviously the economy is shifting and you know i'm getting out of the military and man i don't want to get stuck in that you know just go to a, write a resume and go to a recruiter and and hope i get you know what if that what if new technology comes out and that new industry i i went into goes away right mm -hmm. and so that's what happens in the financial planning world I'm, I'm like hey everybody technology can easily do the financial management and the financial coaching right what is your unique value add that you can bring to the table otherwise you're just commoditized and look by everybody else so all right so what are the dangers out there it's like okay well what are the opportunities all right well we've talked about that the internet age Mm -hmm. You know, an awesome network of veterans and military spouses who just want to help each other out. Like, come on. And then more specifically, what are your strengths? Most people are all focused on their weaknesses or they're simply trying to translate their military skills and experiences to a civilian job. And that, again, is just super limiting. So really remember who you are. Take some personality tests for one, but mostly remember back to who you are and what you dreamed about before you entered the military. Remember, you are a creative. Most people are a creative, and if they're not a creative, they're a detail-oriented person, and they should collaborate with creatives. And a creative needs to find the detail-oriented person, and it's never been easier to find those opportunities. So, you know, that's how we wanna be looking at adding advice. I hate the word advice, because it's like, who am I to give you advice? I've had my experiences. I have my knowledge and stuff. I have my philosophies. I think I could be a guide for people who are ready to say, yeah, I want to find a better way to do it. Okay, well, here's probably a better way to be thinking about your money. Mm -hmm. And therefore, not just put it into types of accounts where you can't access it until you're at 60 or something, or relying on your pension only or Social Security, or thinking about taxes as a, as a oh, I'm going to get a refund this year versus what about your taxes for your lifetime? And then more, uh, I think what we wanna talk about today, if you're doing a career in the military, what is that pension worth? Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of that pension? You know, how do you view it as a resource in your toolbox? Unfortunately, most think, okay, I did my 20 years, I, I, I gotta do a few more to get to the 20, then I can get my pension, and, and I'm gonna get you know two to 5,000, depending on rank, a month. And usually that's not enough to live on. 
And so most people are looking for a job on top of that. And they, the pension is just kind of a, an increase on the paycheck. In reality, that's not what it is. You served 20 plus years, your family sacrificed, you've been deployed, you know, whatever. That's an asset. And if you're making, you're getting from your pension, from the taxpayers again, so this is why we need to be good steward. I think it's our duty to be a good steward of this money mm-hmm. and not just say, oh, I did my service, it's my pension. It's like, and if you're a lieutenant colonel, say, and you're getting 5,000 a month, 60,000 a year, conservatively, you would need to have a million dollars in the bank to be able to pull that same amount on a yearly basis, starting at what, age 45? Because people are living longer. So how much would you need to recreate that? And so when you start thinking about it that way, it's like, okay, this is an asset that I've earned for my family. And you know, what do I want to be able to do with that asset? Yes, I can live off it on a stipend, but what happens afterwards? Do you want to be able to leave it to somebody? What about the tax implications of that? Isn't it odd that the taxpayers are funding your pension, which is then taxed, right? And so what happens is, and most don't realize that they've done their whole 20 years and they've never really heard about the, how the pension works. So they get to the retirement briefing and they're told, oh, by the way, this pension's only based on your life, the service member. If something happens to you, so you get hit by a bus on day one of retirement, the pension just goes away. So that asset, million dollars, goes away, right? And so it's like, oh, okay, that's tied to the service. Well, you know, that's not good. And so back in the 70s, the government realized, all right, well, we need to make sure that we're taken care of as the, as the World War II veterans and Vietnam veterans are, are um, in the 70s and 80s, you know, started to pass away from various ailments and stuff. Um, the government said, okay, we need to implement a system to make sure the spouses, the widows, were being taken care of. And that's where they came up with the Survivor Benefit Plan. It was designed in 1972. And so you know, towards the end of people's careers, that tends to come up and they'll have heard about it. It's like, yeah, yeah I know there's something where something happens to me and my wife gets something. And it's like, well, here's exactly what it is. The spouse gets 55% of the pension. So all of a sudden, that 5,000 bucks goes to you know, roughly 2,500 bucks. It's like, oh, is, is that okay? Is that enough? Because then, you know, the equivalent would be you're not covering the whole pension. That whole million dollars, you're covering 55% of that. And then the real shocker that everybody gets in their time brief is they say, oh, by the way, it's not free. You're automatically enrolled into it at a cost of 6.5% of your pension. And that's when everybody's light bulbs go off and they're like, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. I just thought it was all part of the plan. And, and, and so it's pitched as part of the plan, but oh yeah, I got to pay for it. And then, you know, it's about a 50 PowerPoint slide brief. It's one of many classes you're getting during retirement. Sometimes the spouses are there, but essentially everybody's opted into it, whether they want it or not. The spouse has to go in and get a notarized signature to opt out of it. And so it's like, okay, good. It's there for the lowest common denominator. It's there for the people who aren't good financially, people who are unhealthy and can't qualify for a privatized option. But the fact that everybody's paying the same doesn't really make any sense because people are retiring in their late 30s, you know, 40s. And many veterans are still quite healthy Mm -hmm. at this time. And so the assumption is, oh, I'm going through my VA disability briefing. So I got, you know, because everybody's got some sort of VA disability thing these days. And so the thing is, well, 
I got something wrong with me, therefore the government option's best for me. You know, they'll take care of me forever or take care of my family. It's, and so I wonder, it's like, how many times do the government mess up your paycheck, make, mess up your orders, your housing? Like that happened to me. I was only active duty for six years and that happened to me like every time I changed duty stations. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. And it's like, we're going to rely on that only 30 years from now if something happens, if you do survive, if you don't die. So there's just so many, so much misinformation and just status quo acceptance on how this thing works. And then from the financial industry side of things, what has been typically sold as as a replacement or alternative, which is basically just a cheap term policy or even more misunderstood, a very expensive whole life policy, and so really neither of those things solve the problem. They kind of end up in the same boat as the government option because all that stuff is really no different than what they do in the 80s. And so I just got very frustrated with, with the whole thing. Government, financial industry, I was like, nobody's really caring about educating the opportunity here and protecting the true value of the asset, of the benefit. And so we went out and did the research. We found modern products, modern cares. I mean, it's like we got iPhones, Tesla, Netflix, Amazon, yet in the financial services world, 99% of the stuff that is sold to people is the Blockbusters, the Rotary phones, the Fords, and and, uh, the Walmarts. The financial industry and the government, they're huge behemoths, they're dinosaurs, and they don't innovate, why? because they make so much money. And both institutions are run by self-interested individuals. So people in the financial industry make a lot of money, the ones, the few who are successful. So why would they change? Right. And the government employees, they everybody knows you get a government job, you're set for life. So they're not gonna move quickly to change things and innovate. Yet our economy is in tremendous debt uh, taxes are at all-time lows, so they're going to go up. Interest rates super low. Stock market super high. Like the math does not add up on all this stuff. And I believe that through a combination of that and all this misinformation that was designed before the internet age, we are missing one. We're missing tremendous opportunity, and then worst case, we're setting people up to take major hit when the stock market corrects and crashes, when taxes go up, when inflation goes through the roof. Like nobody's going to be ready for it because they were following old advice, old philosophies, old strategies, old products. And it just doesn't make any sense. And so we created what we call the Survivor Liberty Plan to give you more flexibility and control over the benefits and the opportunity that comes with having done a career in the military. You served for it. You earned it. So use it, like own it <laughs> is, is, is uh, it's what people come to us is because they want to do that. Well, very cool. And this is the reason why I wanted to have my husband on this call today because of just his charisma and enthusiasm and passion for what we're doing here at US Vet Wealth. And so, you know, following this episode, I plan on sharing some of the articles that we have from our website, usvetwealth.com, so that, you know, I mean, one, you could definitely go on our website and read them now, but if not, I will be reciting some of those uh, throughout our show, just to, you know, 
add some more value to you as the military spouse or even if a service member is listening to this. But yeah, the more information we can provide to our military families and military community, especially about finances, the better. Now, with that said, so, you know, you talked about your background, you know, how you got into the financial services industry, how you saw this issue and you hinted at a little bit about the solution. So in the military, the benefit that we're talking about right now, that is if you wanna call it a benefit, <laughs> is the survivor benefit plan. And just now you hinted at a solution that we would love to educate our listeners about today, which is the survivor liberty plan. So would you like to elaborate more on what that is? Yeah, and just to hit on it real quick, like anytime your listeners have questions, they should write into you and we can do shows like this where we do listener question and answer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At the end of every episode, I always like to mention that if anyone is interested in getting a hold of us or engaging with us, you can reach out to us at holding down the fort podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, holding down the fort podcast. But you could also check the show notes as well, the episode details of this episode to see how else you can get a hold of us. But that's the top two ways is via email, holding down the fort podcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, holding down the fort podcast. Yeah. So it is funny that, you know, it's considered a benefit. It's an option. Mm -hmm. It's an option that is still insurance mm -hmm. and it's not free. So but, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about that being an option because I've heard that I've, you've mentioned before in the past that if you don't want it, you have to kind of jump through hoops just to get out of it. Right. And yeah, that's about it, really. It's just if you decide you don't want it, you have to go into the government transition officer or whatever, the retirement briefer, and do a notarized signature to say very clearly you understand. So that's good. I mean, yeah. it's not bad because you don't want to have a spouse be in a situation where they don't have any other you know, solutions financially should the worst case happen. So the point is, let's not assume that, okay, well, it's part of the pension, so I guess I'll just pay the 6.5% and go for it. It's like, well, if you're already paying for insurance and it's government insurance, and whether it's the VGLI, the Veterans Group Life Insurance, which actually is run by Prudential, so you're really paying Prudential, or the Survivor Benefit Plan, that doesn't, that isn't an insurance, that's an annuity, and it's really set up like Social Security. Your payments are paying the current widows. Mm. So there is no pot of money with your name on it or credit system. You're just in the program, and if something happens to you, then the spouse gets 55% at some point down the line until the spouse is no longer there. Mm -hmm. And so why not see if you can qualify for a privatized option? Sure, one of the versions of that is term and and just get a lot big term policy and assume that 30 years from now you'll have financially prepared yourself to not need the term insurance when that's up and that's much cheaper than survivor benefit plan so that seems like obvious option for most people well problem is there's a reason why term insurance is so cheap it's because it's like 97 to 98 percent of term policies never get paid out because the person doesn't die mm -hmm. and 
even looking at the probability calculators for the survivor benefit plan, the probabilities aren't really high that much of a benefit, just depending on the age differences of the spouse. But these are all government calculators based on the DOD Department of the Actuary that when we're doing our analysis for people, we can look at it. So, so you can go the defensive route and just say, well, I'm just going to do it cheaper than survivor benefit plan if I qualify. Well, again, chances are you're renting insurance at that point. It's only there for catastrophic scenarios. You know, what about adding an offensive approach, offensive option? Now, that's not whole life. Whole life is still a defensive strategy. It's very expensive. It really shouldn't be used for middle-class Americans. It's just that the majority of the financial firms, that's how they can make bigger paychecks. And so they tell them there's an investment option. Well, there isn't really a whole lot of equity in there. And again, it's old technology. But again, just like with Tesla and everything, there is new technology that allows for a more offensive approach, more equity growth, so that you can actually use the money that you've been paying into it for anything you want throughout your life. You can use it as a way to get a loan for something or use it for retirement income or whatever you want, and you get a whole bunch of tax benefits around there. And at the same time, have the catastrophic insurance there for the just in case with the assumption that you're probably not going to need that you might as well take advantage of the other aspects of what these these modern insurances can can offer and so that's things like long-term care stuff tax-free access litigation protection so in in our white paper you can get on the website and on the various blog posts we go into all that in more detail and we also do education online sessions. Anybody can schedule one with me personally. And we just do the analysis. And, and that's it. We just take a look and say, all right, here's, I mean, it, it's, it's actually, it, it's kind of fascinating, honestly, that no other financial professionals put this together because I've been thinking about it for years and just assumed other people knew about it the way we did. But it was when I was at a private military influencer brief at, at USAA, there was only like 30 of the financial influencers there. Actually, I don't even know how I was invited. I was not well known. I had hired a guy who was there and I think got me invited. But all the top bloggers and stuff, and I just heard them talking. And then, of course, the USA, you know, top dogs. And, and I realized that what they were talking about when it came to military benefits, all great information, but none of them were thinking second and third level order of effects. And they were very unaware of the modern tools and technology because none of them are licensed professionals. And USA, again, is mostly a car insurance company, United States Automobile Association. They, they outsource all their financial, actually, they just got rid of their financial planning arm and their investment arm. They sold it off. Mm -hmm. Even their life insurance is just outsourced to another company. Same with their real estate stuff. So people misunderstand you know, how these things all tie together. And then a lot of the bloggers are more focused on the kind of day-to-day -day life and military life. Where do you get cheaper credit cards? You know, how does the survivor benefit plan work? They write, you know, massive blog posts that basically just translates what the government websites do. And, and most of the opinions on what to do about it, again, are based on the, the old privatized versions of this. So that's where I saw opportunities like, oh, this is where we can be a game changer to truly give people who are motivated around their money, who want to maximize the value of their pension, realize that the catastrophic event probably isn't going to happen and you're going to be around for 30 years. I mean, that Lieutenant Colonel, you know, getting five, so $5,000 a month, paying six and a half percent of that, that's like three, 400 bucks. If you don't die, 30 years later, 
average will have paid into about $150,000 into the survivor benefit plan. And if the spouse dies first, there's then no benefit, nothing. Mm. You don't get the money back and then there's no benefit for kids. And you hear that happening. I know one of our team members, parents were, neighbor was talking about how his, he's 65 years old mm-hmm. and his and career military already been paying into it. And that was when he learned, when he said, yeah, my spouse died about two years ago. And we were talking about this pension thing and he's like, Wait, so I just, he didn't even know he was paying into it because all he knew was what he was getting. Right. It kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this adds up. Well, what if instead you put that same $150,000 over 30 years, 10 years, whatever? It's like you're already going to commit that money. Why not put it into a program where if 30 years later you're still alive, not only could you get your money back, and still have the insurance, but also maybe have doubled that money. Maybe you got $300,000 available. So instead of being down 150, you're positive 300. I mean, that's a multi hundred thousand dollar swing for an average officer. It's obviously slightly less for enlisted folks who are getting out, but still significant money. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just throwing that back at the government. We're not being good stewards of the taxpayer assets in that case. And this happens for 80% of active duty military who are career military who are finding out about late they end up opting into it about 80 percent do because it's like ah what do i do Mm -hmm. wow that's a lot right and what it causes is paralysis by analysis and people go oh i gotta look into this myself and i gotta do my own analysis and research because i'm a i'm I'm a good i'm a good military service member i gotta go figure this it's like We've already figured all out. We've done the research. You can't even access the modern stuff unless, anyways. But come talk to us. Like we, we would love to just see. No strings attached. We only need about thirty minutes, really, to say, "Hey, you can do this. Or you can do this." Now, the sooner you implement, the better it works out. Mm-hmm. So this is actually really best for people that are ten years away from retirement in the military, instead of right at the last minute. That said, it can still work out, but the earlier you do it, the better. And it's also important to get qualified before you find out if something would disqualify you, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times what ends up happening is people say, okay, I get it. I just are busy. I got all these other things and I'm going to wait until I get out and get a job before I do this. It's like, no, no, this only works if you get it and you can qualify and you implement it. But then once you do, then you have a resource that you're in control of. But it's kind of like when you learn about it, the quicker you fix it, the more money you save. Right. And the less risk you have of not being able to qualify. So that's why in the military, it's always kind of like ah, next duty station or, or next job or mm-hmm. hopefully I'll get that next promotion or, or I'll see if I get promoted and then I'll decide. I mean, this is pretty powerful stuff that has just been completely swept under the rug. And most people, like Jared was saying the other day, it's like, oh, I've talked to a bunch of people and that's like a third tier issue for them. It's like, yeah, I know. I know it's a third tier issue. And that's what's crazy. Which is why we it are- It should be the first issue. Yeah. I mean, what are, you, what are you signing up to serve to 20 years for? Like everybody loves serving their country, but very few, except for the ones who are just like know nothing else, are just like, I, I can't believe I have to leave the military at 20, 22 years. No, they're like, oh, thank God, I'm done. Like, what's next? I mean, that's just reality. Yeah. I mean, and so it's like, well, this is what you stayed those 22 years for. Why aren't we owning it and paying attention to it? So that's what always flabbergasted me. And I couldn't tell if it was 
intentional misinformation or just complacency from the government, you know, which I don't know. Right. We could go both way. I, you know, I could talk hours on both those things, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so part of our campaign for this new season of Holding Down the Four is just providing more information on this just because we see the value in it and we want you to be aware of it. And this is coming from, you know, our, our team mainly consists of veterans you know, so they were and military spouses and military spouses. Actually, so, mostly military spouses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, with that said, uh, Scott. I mean, the last thing. I mean, actually, on that point with the military spouses. Yeah. That's the other thing that blows my mind about this whole pension survivor benefit plan problem. The education is usually geared towards the service member. It has nothing to do with them. Right. Even though it's it's the to be, spa- It's all yeah. about the spouse. Literally, it's the, who makes the decision. The spouse, the spouse makes the decision. <laughs> it's who's the who gets the benefit if there is one. Right. The spouse gets it only, not the kids. I mean, yes, yeah. there's a thing if you know before the kids are 21, they get a little bit all that. But it's like this is really. I mean, they're the ones. How often does the spouse, you know, yes, they can go to the retirement briefings and the transition briefings sometimes, but. What about all the other, guess what? There have been financial, there are required financial briefings throughout their career. Is the service member always coming home and with a stack of information and saying, this is what I learned. (laughs) And oh, by the way, here's the other people's opinions on all that stuff and different people's thoughts. Or is it usually, well, what did the, what did the guy next to me do? Or what did my, my guy, my command sergeant major who got out, what does he say to do? Mm -hmm. Well, if he's now a government employee, what do you think he's going to say to do? And we're all just kind of blindly following orders. It's like, this is your money. Yeah. You don't have to follow orders anymore. Right. And, and, and really in this day and age, maybe you shouldn't because that's really the risk of just getting a job and saving for retirement is, I, I believe, with the amount of variables we have in, in modern times, and with where the economy and the stock market and all that kind of stuff and where taxes and all that are at, you know, if we're just leaving it up to saying, oh, I got a good job or my retirement account's going to work out, that just seems crazy right. to, to me. I just, and I was being told that that was good advice to give to folks and therefore I should be proud of myself. And I just lost all integrity and realized this is not true. Right. Um, but at, at the time, this is years ago, I was like, well, what is, what can we do about it? I didn't know if we could. And then I'm excited and glad to say we found something. We found yeah. something cool. We created it. I want to work with other financial professionals, not not just people I can help. I want to teach other financial professionals how to do this. You know, they're frustrated at their firms that they might be at that are being taught the old way, not getting a lot of help on how to bring unique value to people. Like, I want to talk to them as well. Say, we need to help more military families understand how to maximize resources. Because imagine we get more of that wealth out into the economy coming from the veterans, allowing veterans and military spouses to have more influence in our community. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's my only hope. If we can get more wealth in our community, chances are they'll take more positions of influences in society. And hopefully we could stop all this knuckleheadness that we have going on in our government. You know, I don't care Democrat or Republican. There are constant wars, constant overspending, you know, we need to take and constant attacks politically on everybody. I don't even know what's going on with the with the, with the media is telling the truth. Like we need to 
to take those leadership roles. We raised our hand or oath to serve our country, our constitution. And if we want to defend it and we can't do it, you know, in uniform anymore, we can do it with our influence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's my, my dream, my goal is to get more veterans and, and spouses aware of their opportunities, aware of how money works and aware of how to create influence in modern times. Again, never been a better time in all of human history to take advantage of that because there's literally wealth floating around in the air. It's in the form of Wi-Fi and you can go grab it if you know how, or you can get stuck in traffic every day for the rest of your life until you can finally retire. What's more motivating? I mean, I know who I want to work with and I'm not here to convince all those other people to change their minds if they're like, you know, they're stuck that way. Cool, cool. Like, oh, you trust the government, want to do it that way? Cool, cool. But for those who don't, I know, well, I get it all the time. It's like, oh, I've been waiting for somebody to talk like that. Well, I'm talking like that. So that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, honey, for that. And I feel like I was yelling at you the whole time, was I? Well, what's new? No. (laughs) Well, with that said, to our listeners, especially to military spouses and families, we hope that, you know, my goal here for the show is to add a different perspective and add resources and education outside. In addition, I want to say, I don't want to be against, but in addition to what you may already be receiving from the government or even your service member. So, honey, thanks for being on. Yeah, I just want to... Be be a trusted resource. Again, we got our military transition guide on the website. If if you're in transition, uh, we've got our Survivor Liberty Plan white paper, uh, tons of videos and and that kind of stuff. And of course, you can go to our website to schedule a consultation. Yes, absolutely. Or you can check the show notes like we mentioned already. You can reach out to us on Instagram or email holdingdownthefortpodcast at gmail.com. With that said, thank you so much for listening. We hope to continue the conversation with you should you reach out to us. And until then, tune in next time.